The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. However you're listening, and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program. And you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Elfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino! Hit to a home run. Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for All Andy Elfred. The Detroit Tigers are the absolute worst team. In all of my life in sports, this Tiger team is the worst Tiger team I have ever seen in my entire life. The worst. And he's like, oh, it's going to be okay, Andy. From top to bottom. The farm system in Detroit is the worst system I have ever seen in all of baseball. All of baseball. We're keeping on winning in Cleveland. And getting closer and closer and closer to taking the top spot. What I'm hearing out of BG Falcon football camp is very, very interesting. But I have one question. Why the Toledo fight song? And the boys of fall are back. The NFL. An exhibition season begins tonight. Right here on All Andy Alford. I love you guys, and welcome in to another edition of All Andy Elford today, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Google uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, however you're listening to us, wherever and whenever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning into the program tonight as well. You can follow the show on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alford. It is at all Andy Alford. So welcome and got a lot to get into. Of course, we've been off for a few weeks. And um, before we begin, I want to thank you, the the listeners, for making. Um, we've been off for a lot about two or three weeks now, and um, getting the analytics from the show, and the listenership from. The Marathon Classic was absolutely amazing. Getting the coverage from not only from the U.S., but from Canada, as well as in Korea. The analytics were absolutely amazing, and I want to thank you for making that possible and and making this show probably those shows one of the best shows we've had in a very, very, very long time. It is um, It was truly a pleasure to give you guys the coverage 
from the Marathon Classic. Of course, they uh, the week after was the U.S. Amateur Open. We didn't even really get a chance to cover it all that much because of uh, we had some situation, family situations going on in my life, um, and I will, we'll get to that in just a minute later on in the pro podcast tonight. But we got a lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to hear from uh, Scott Leffler and the Bowling Green staff uh, as we are into the final stretches of training camp before we start the season. The season starts on the 26th of August against Morgan State at home. Uh, we'll hear from Scott Leffler from a camp from camp on the uh, about five days ago. Uh, a lot has changed too. We'll talk about that as well, and what I'm hearing out of camp as well too. We'll hear. We'll hear. Uh, we'll hear. We'll talk about that as well as tonight starts the NFL season. Uh, a lot of you have been uh, sending me information of when are you going to do the NFL preview, and uh, you know when are you going to be able to do the NFL podcast. Um, just hold the phone. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to you in a, uh, in the next few weeks on that. Um, I always like to do two exhibition games to see how everybody's going to play out, how the first teams and first and second teams look before I pass judgment. You play the game on the field, not on the paper. Um, I do have a quick estimate of what who I think is going to win, but I'm, I'll briefly share that tonight on the podcast as well as go over the games that are happening this week in week one of the preseason. And uh, we'll also dive in a little bit of the NHL, and you'll hear my Andy rants tonight. But before we begin tonight, I want to, uh, before we begin, like, like I said, thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight. I want to start with the with the Tigers. And I tell you, this has got to be the worst team I have ever seen in my entire life. Now you're going to say to yourself, oh, well, you know, the, the 0-1 Tigers, when they lost 119 games, that was a pretty bad roster. Uh, couldn't bring anybody to the ballpark. No, this team right now is the worst team. This is the Mud Hens in Detroit Tiger uniforms. This is what the farm system has become. This is how bad this team is. You have one true veteran on this team, and Miguel Cabrera, he's not hitting the cover off the ball. After that, it is all minor leaguers and mud hens. And that's what it really is. This team is absolutely atrocious. I'm embarrassed as a Detroit Tiger fan. And if you're a Tiger fan like me, the race now to 120 is what we're looking for now. How bad can we be? This team is absolutely atrocious. From start to finish. And how bad we are is not comparable to how bad the division is. The division is horrible too. But we are dead last in farm system. We are 31st in all farm system. And I heard a report the other day. Oh, Andy, uh, there was a, uh, I read a report. I read a report from USA Today that says the Tigers have the best farm system in all of baseball. 
What are you smoking and where can I get it? I swear to God. I heard I heard that and I I I lost it. I lost it. How can you have that? There is nothing. Nothing. Nothing in the farm system. We got rid of Nick Castellanos at the trade deadline. We got rid of our best pitcher at the trade deadline for prospects. These guys are going to take at least three to four years to develop. Three to four years to develop. How can you say that we had the best farm system in all the league, in all the all of MLB, when we can't even win freaking baseball games in the minors? We can't even catch fly balls here in Toledo. I feel like I'm watching Major League happen every night I watch the Tigers. Crappy performance after crappy performance after crappy performance. This team, it's just, they're horrible. Absolutely horrible. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be the fans. are, and, and they're having a hard time selling tickets in Detroit. They're now selling a package where you can go to all the home games in August for $55. You got to be kidding me. I wonder what September's going to be like. It's just atrocious. This team is absolutely atrocious. Looking at their stats. And we're not even going to get into the game yet. Games this past week. Against the Go-Go White Sox. Now you're saying to yourself. Andy. They can't be this bad. Oh they're bad. They are bad. There's only a few guys that are good. Nico Goodrum batting a a 3-3-3. He's got five ribbies. No home runs. I'll tell you this too. Cabrera is not is close to his batting is to his weight. He's batting a three forty six. He's got one home run. 
excuse me, not one home run. Yeah, he's got 11 home runs. And he's driven in 45. Seven home runs, 43 driven in. He's batting a 285, my apologies. He's batting a 333 the last seven days. Harold Castro is batting a 282. He's got two home runs and 21 driven in. And he's down in Toledo. Jordy Mercer, 247. Five dingers, nine home runs. Kristen Stewart, as, as Gibby always likes to say, oh, Stewie is one of my favorite players. He's one of my favorite. He's batting a 239. Not even batting his weight. Seven home runs, 33 driven in. Jacoby Jones, 236. 11 home runs, 26 driven in. Ronnie Rodriguez, 217. Seven home runs, 30 driven in. Here's the here's a good one for you. Like I said, Nico Goodrum, 252. Okay. 10 home runs. 41 driven in. He has struck out the most in this team at 123 times. Candelario is batting a 198 when he's with the Tigers. Gordon Beckham, the guy that we picked up in the offseason, who I thought could be a key piece for this Tiger team, he's batting a 210. Five home runs, 14 driven in. His OPS is a .65. On base percentage is a .274. Candelario is batting a .198, and that is not even his bat, not even his weight. Seven home runs, 24 driven in. His OPS is a .615. His on base percentage is a .289. How can your on-base percentage be better than your average? Unbelievable. This team is... This team is now in the race to 120 losses. They're going to overtake the Mets. They're going to beat their record in 2001 when they lost 119 games. Or, excuse me, not in 0-2. It, the, the question is, who is responsible for this? Avila is responsible for this. And for the fact that he gets, a, he gets re-signed is a damn joke. The Illages are stupid to re-sign this guy. As your general manager of the Detroit Tigers. Absolutely stupid. I put some blame on Dave Dombrowski because he had the all-in attitude, gave away all the farm system, but the guy that's in charge now was a part of that system. 
was a part of that system and absolutely destroyed the system. Absolutely destroyed it. How can you get this guy a contract extension? And I'll say this. I said at the beginning of the season, I will say it again. I said it in confidence to a few people in here. And a few people, I, my family and everything like that. I'm actually considering of leaving the Tiger fanship. They're not talking about the Tigers anymore. I'm more interested in watching the Reds play now than the Tigers. I'll sit and watch the Tiger game. But, you know, I have Buckeye. So 29 has Fox Sports Detroit. 30 has Fox Sports Ohio. And the Reds are a better team. They are well put together than the Tigers. And I thought Cincinnati was going to have a, a worse farm system than Detroit. But they got a better farm system. And as a Tiger fan, this is this is getting bad. This is absolutely atrocious. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. The Tigers started up a four-game and three-night series against the White Sox. A doubleheader on Tuesday. And... We'll get to the standings here in just a second. It, for me, this is this is becoming a, a team that's becoming a laughing matter. It's a joke. It honestly is a joke. Monday opened up the series against the White Sox. After losing in Texas, getting swept in Texas, they have had four sweeps this year. Detroit has. They've been swept four times. Monday, they started a series against the White Sox at Comerica. They lose 7-4. to four. Soto gets the loss. He goes to 0-5. Girolito gets the win. He goes to 12-5. Tuesday was the doubleheader, a day-night doubleheader. Game one saw the White Sox pounding the Tigers 5-3. Daniel Norris gets the loss. He goes to 3-9. Kreese gets the win. He goes to 2-4. Cologne gets to save his 22nd of the season. The nightcap saw Detroit getting the win. And finally, the bats came alive for one game. They won 10-6. Verhagen gets the win. And Verhagen has been good. But he's been up and down all season. He's two and he wins. He's two and two. Santiago the loss. He goes to one and one. And then yesterday, Wednesday, the Tigers, after getting giving 10, 10 runs in the in the previous game, maybe the bats can come alive again. One run on six hits, the pale hose pounded the Tigers eight to one. Alexander, the loss, goes to 0-3. Nova, the win, he goes to 7-9. So now Detroit welcomes in Kansas City, who is second to last with Detroit in the standings at 41-74. and 
Tonight on the bump, it will be Josh Boyd. He's seven and eight with a three point nine one ERA. Jose Lopez will start for the for the Royals. He's seven one and seven with a six point one nine ERA. So Detroit might win the game. They might win a game. Detroit has not yet named the star for Friday's 7-10 start against Kansas City. Keller will start for Kansas City. He's 7-11 with a 3.95 ERA. Jacob Turnbull will start on Saturday for Detroit at 6-10. He's 3-9 with a 3.72 ERA. Montgomery for Kansas City. He's 1-5 with a 6.02 ERA. The concluding game Sunday sees Junis on the hill 7-10 with a 4.88 ERA. Daniel Norris will start for the Tigers. He is now technically the ace of the staff right now. He's 3-9 with a 4.76 ERA. And that's sad to say he's the ace of the staff. Detroit will then be off on Monday. They'll come back on Tuesday to open up a series against the Seattle Mariners. And by the way, Seattle is not is is a damn joke of, of a team, too. But the Tigers get swept four games out in out in uh in Fraser Crane Country. Answer me that. Answer me that. But it, it, it just, it's the fact that Detroit is just not coherent. They're not good. There is a team, though, in this division that is soaring to new peaks. And that is the Cleveland Indians. The Indians just keep on winning. That's what the motto should be. It should be keep on winning. They had a three-game set after after going on at home to play the Angels. They've been having a long homestand. Saw them playing Houston. They opened up against the Angels. And they swept the Angels in three straight games. They opened up the series Monday against Texas. And the Rangers getting the better of the Tribe in the game, one to nothing. The Tribe had zero runs on eight hits, no errors. The Rangers one run on five hits, no errors. Miner gets the win; he goes to ten and six. Uh, Savani gets the loss; he goes to one and one. Lacara gets the save, his seventh of the season for the Texas Rangers. And the Tribe was washed out Tuesday. A traditional doubleheader took place yesterday. The tri- the Tribe taking two all both games of the doubleheader. And taking the series as well. Uh, yesterday, winning game one by a score of two to nothing. And two runs on three hits, one error for the Tribe. No runs on six hits, no errors for the Rangers in game one. Goody gets the win, he gets to three and zero. Oh. Gerardo gets the loss, he goes to six and seven. Brad Hand gets his twenty eighth save of the season. The doubleheader, the, the concluding game of the series yesterday after, afternoon, later afternoon, saw the Tribe winning five to one. The Indians five runs on nine hits, one error. The Rangers one run on four hits, no errors in the game. Cole gets the win, he goes to three and one. Lynn gets the loss, he goes to fourteen and seven on the season. Wingarden gets the save, his third of the season. Now the Tribe opened up a huge four game series starting tonight. In Minnesota, Mike Clevenger on the hill, seven, six and two with a three point one seven ERA. He'll take on Gibson from Minnesota, who's eleven and four with a four point oh two ERA. Eight ten start time for that one. Friday sees Shane Bieber, not Justin Bieber, Shane Bieber, uh, and we'll get to that in just a second too. Eleven and four with a three point three one ERA. He'll take on Smelzer, who's one and one with a two point two eight ERA. Eight ten start time for that one. 
Saturday, a 7-10 start time sees Pluto on the hill. 4-2 with a 4.55 ERA. He'll take on Ordonzi, who is 12-5 with a 3.61 ERA. That game time Saturday, 7-10. The concluding game Sunday afternoon. See Silvani 1-1 with a .75 ERA just coming up from Cleveland. He'll take on Burroughs, who's 10-6 with a 3.24 ERA. 2-10 start time for that one. And I say this because this is a big series for the Tribe because of what is happening in the standings right now. In first place in the American League Central are the Minnesota Twins. The Twins right now have a record that is, for me, I, I'm just shocked because I thought Cleveland would be better. Minnesota is 70 and 70 and 44. However, Cleveland is on the trail. These four games are big for the Tribe because they are in second place at 68 and 46. Two games out of first place. So that tells you something right there. Big series that they could take three of four out of the Minnesota Twins. They could get back into the front of the American League Central. The White Sox are 51 and 62, 18 and a half games out of first place. Kansas City is 41 and 74, 29 and a half games out of first place. And the Detroit Tigers, the race to 120 begins as they are now 33 and 78, 35 and a half games out of first place. They're three and seven in their last ten. On the road, they're nineteen and thirty-nine. At home, they're fourteen and thirty-nine. That tells you something. Tells you something right there. Looking at the rest of the American League standings, the Yankees are in first place at seventy-five and thirty-nine, and they are a perfect ten and zero against the Baltimore Orioles this year which is the first time since 2002 a team has been perfect against their opponent in their opponent's ballpark and against the team as a total. The Ranger, the excuse me, not the Rangers, but the Rays are in second place at 66 and 50, 10 games out of first place. The Red Sox, I don't think are going to make it, folks. They're 60 and 56, 16 games out of first place. They're 6 games out of a wild card spot, too. Toronto is 47 and 70, 29 and a half games out of first place. And like I said, the Baltimore Orioles are 38 and 76, 37 games out of first place. The AL West sees the uh, the Houston Astros at 75 and 40 in first place. The Oakland A's 65 and 50, 10 games out of first place, a half a game out of a wild card spot. We'll get to the wild card race in just a second. Texas is 58 and 56, 16 and a half games out of first place, seven games out of a wild card spot. The Angels are 56 and 59, 19 games out of first place, and the Mariners are 48 and 68, 27 and a half games out of first place. And that's the American League. The National the Senior Circuit looks like this. In the ANL East, the Atlanta Braves are in first place at 68 and 48 in first place. The Washington Nationals are coming up from behind Alomar's Nationals are going to be doing something right here. They're 61 and 53, 6 games out of first place, but they're 2 games up in the wild card race, Philadelphia right on their heels, eight games out of first place at 59 and 55 in holding the second wild card position. But the Mets are right there, half game out of a wild card spot. Andy Mars's Mets. That's an interesting house right there. Alan Mars, my my old broadcast partner from BEG, and a good friend of mine, Washington National fan, his wife, a New York Mets fan, 
half game out of a first out of out of a wild card spot. Wouldn't that be something to be in the house for that when that happens? Fifty nine and fifty six, eight and a half games out of first place, a half game out of a wild card spot, and the Marlins are in last place at forty two and seventy one, twenty four and a half games out of first place. The Central's the one that I've been looking at over the last few weeks. The Cubs are sixty two and fifty two in first place. The Brewers are holding strong in second place at 60 and 56. They're three games out of first place. St. Louis is 58 and 55, three and a half games out of first place. Now you're going to say to me, Andy, you said the Reds are the team to watch. I, I, I said this at the trade deadline. The Reds are an interesting team to watch because they traded away Yasiel Puig and, one, and two other prospects. Yastiel Puig goes to the Indians. The Indians then send Trevor Bauer to the Reds. And he's he got lit up in his last start against the Braves. But they're 54 and 58. They're four games under 500, but they're seven games out of first place. And they're four games out of a wild card spot. Four games out of a wild card spot. Unbelievable. The Reds are for real, folks. Watch out. Pittsburgh 48 and 66, 14 games out of first place. They're not going to make it. The NL West looks like this. The Dodgers are 77 and 40. They're going to win the NL West. Arizona 58 and 57, 18 games out of first place. San Francisco is 56 and 59, 20 games out of first place. The Padres, a very good season so far for them, but they're 52 and 61, 23 games out of first place. And how about the Colorado Rockies being 52 and 62, 23 games out of first place? They're 3 and 7 in their last 10. That's atrocious. But if you look at it this way, the worst team in all of baseball are the Detroit Tigers at 33 and 78. Could have been, you know, could have been worse. It can be worse, my friends. It could be worse. And some news and notes around Major League Baseball. They are coming, folks. Uh, Next year, on August 13, 2020, the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox will be playing at Field of Dreams. Yes, with a ballpark in Iowa where... Field of Dreams was made and filmed. They are going to be playing a game there. Looking forward to seeing how that's going to how that's going to happen. Uh, see how that's going to happen as well. Uh, the like I said, the they had a altercation last night in. Baltimore in the dugout as it as the O's got swept by the Yankees. It was between Davis, Chris Davis, Brandon Hyde, and Doug Long, and Mark Trumbo, and Chris Davis all going at it in the dugout last night at Camden Yards. I'm surprised that Zach Hample didn't really chime in on that. To see, you know, he likes going to that ballpark 
all that much. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, tonight in Major League Baseball. A big series, like I mentioned before, for the for the Indians against the Twins. And, of course, the pathetic Tigers in action starting tonight against Kansas City. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, however you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's talk a little bit about some minor league baseball as well, too, in the team here in the city that is another pathetic performance in the Toledo Mud Hens. So the Mud Hens welcomed in after a long road trip this past week, came back home after. You know, they had a brief homestand, and then they went on the road to play Indianapolis in Indianapolis. No, excuse me, in Louisville, excuse me. And they put on a show Sunday that was absolutely amazing. They beat the Bats 12 to nothing, put on a, a licking on the Bats. I figured, you know, maybe they would come back home and do some damage. And they did. Tuesday night was probably... The signature win this season for the Mud Hens. They welcome in the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bison, who are the AAA farm team of the of the Toronto Blue Jays. And figuratively, I thought that you know maybe they had a chance. And honestly, taking two or three out of Louisville, I thought maybe they had a chance. They were down 5-0 after the first inning of the game. They rallied in the 8th to score. They they chipped and chipped away, and they scored two runs in the eighth, bottom of the 8th inning to take the lead 7-5, and they win 7-5 over the Bison. Garcia the, win, he goes, Garcia the win, Beloy gets the loss, Adams with the save. So I figured maybe, maybe there's something happening. And then last night, again, getting shellacked by the Bison by a score of 7-2. The, Fisk the win. Fernandez the loss. Tonight on the docket, a 7.05 start time at the corner of 402 Washington Boulevard in downtown Toledo. Steves the Buffalo Bison taking on the Toledo Mudhens. The Mudhens will send Edwin Jackson to the hill. Uh, yes, I said Edwin Jackson. He was picked up over the fr- on the free agent wire as well, too. Um, he will start on the hill for the Toledo Mudhens tonight. And for the Bison this evening, it will... And Jackson, by the way, 1-2 with a 5.40 ERA. Zurich will start for Buffalo. He's 3-1 with a... With a... Uh, 4.93 ERA. Then the Mudhens will welcome in for Jeep Weekend. And I'll say again, the, the Mudhens become the Jeep Crawlers this weekend. Mud Crawlers this weekend for this big three-game series against the Pawtucket Red Sox, which will be the last time Pawtucket will be in Toledo for the, for the season as they will be moving to Hartford to become the Yard Goats in this upcoming season. So this is the last year that you're going to see the Pawtucket Red Sox, 7.05 first pitch in the game for them. And uh, it'll be 7.05 starts for the 
for the starts this weekend against against Pawtucket. And then Sunday sees the game at 4.05 is the start time for that one on Sunday at 5th 3rd Field. Get your tickets by calling 419-725-HENS or visiting the Toledo Mud Hen webpage as well. And then the Mud Hens will then hit the road. They'll play Buffalo in Buffalo for three. And then they'll go to Pawtucket for three and finish up the season. We are two weeks away from the end of the season, folks. Four against Indianapolis, the 19th, the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd. And then they'll go on the road to Columbus for three straight, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th, before going to Indianapolis for four, and they finish the season the 30th and the 31st against Louisville, and then on September and September 1st and 2nd against the Columbus Clippers. So looking at the standings, like I said, the Tiger farm system is absolutely atrocious. The Mudhen farm system is absolutely atrocious as well, too. The standings looks like this going into play tonight. The Mudhens are not doing very, very well. The Mudhens are in second to last place at 51 and 64. Columbus still has the lead in the division. They're 65 and 49. Indianapolis 56 and 57. Eight and a half games out of first place. Toledo 51 and 64. 14 and a half games out of first place. Louisville is 47 and 68. Four, 18 and a half games out of first place. The International League South looks like this. Gwinnett is 67 and 47 in first place. Durham is holding strong at second place at 65 and 52 and a half games out of first place. Uh, Charlotte is 61 and 53, six games out of first place. Norfolk is 45 and 68, 21 and a half games out of first place. The North Division, where the Mudhens will be battling it out, they might actually get some wins against Pawtucket this year, and I'll say that. Well, I'll say why here in just a second. Scranton is in first place at 64 and 51. Buffalo 59 and 56. Five games out of first place. Rochester is 58 and 57. Six games out of first place. The Mets, Syracuse Mets are 57 and 58. Seven games out of first place. The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are 55 and 58. Eight games out of first place. And Pawtucket is 50 and 64. 13 and a half games. Out of first place. Wild card standings. The Mudhens, no chance in making the wild card. It looks like Durham holding the strong in the second first wild card position at 65 and 50. Charlotte is right there with them. Three and a half games out of out of the wild card race at 61 and 53. So and looking at the stats for the Mudhens, batting wise for them this year looks like this. Uh We'll say Willie Castro is batting a 294 right now with the Mud Hens. He has six home runs and 48 RBIs. Uh, Danny Woodrow, 266, one home run, 27 driven in. Mikey Montuk, 261. He's got 15 home runs and 45 RBIs. Bobby Wilson, 256. He's got four home runs and nine driven in. His OPS is a 764, but his on-base percentage is a... 337. Pete Cosma, 236. He's got four home runs, 42 driven in. His on base percentage is a 316. Jordy Mercer, 233. And like I said, they've been moving up and down between Detroit and everything like that. So some of these stats are not right. Uh, Brandon Dixon, 174. 
one home run, three driven in. Christian Stewart, like who is now up in Detroit, is bat- was batting a 143 when he's with Toledo. Um, yeah, and it, it will be interesting to see how the um, how the seasons will shake out for this for this Mud Hen team and see who's going to get the call up come September when the uh, the roster gets expanded. So. We'll see what happens as you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening to us. Thank you for tuning in. And before we hit the NFL gridiron, let's talk a little bit of college football, shall we? So the college football season is right around the corner for us, folks. And uh, it is absolutely amazing to see... um, uh, what the prognosticators are saying and what the coaches are saying as well, too. And um, for me, it's going to be interesting. The, the preseason top 25 came out recently, and no surprises by yours truly. Clemson, number one. Alabama, number two. Georgia is three, which I, I can see that. Oklahoma is four, and Ohio State is five. Now, here's the rest of the top 25. LSU at 6 is a little bit of a shocker, but Michigan at 7 says a lot right there. 8 is Florida. Notre Dame is 9. Texas is 10. And it's surprising that Notre Dame is at 9. I thought they'd be a little bit higher up. Uh, like I said, so that's the top 10. And looking at it also, Texas A&M 11. Washington 12. The Oregon Ducks are 13. Penn State is at 14. 15 sees Utah. Auburn is 16th. UCF is 17th. As well, and 18th is Wisconsin. 19th sees the Iowa Hawkeyes. Michigan State is 20th. 21st is Washington State. Notable there. Syracuse with Dino Babers at head coach is 22nd. Unbelievable. Why couldn't he do that when he was with us here at Bowling Green? Stanford 23, Iowa State 24, and 25th is Northwestern Wildcats. Well, recently the recently the uh, uh, the media got a chance while we were away for uh, media day for the Mid American Conference, and um, some interesting news to pass along on this one. Where they have Bowling Green ranked for this season. You want to take a guess. For this season. This season. Now remember, this is a transition season. We're going from from Jenks to Panini to now Leffler running the ship. You want to guess where Bowling Green is ranked. In the MAC coaches poll preseason poll, dead last in the East, dead last in the East. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. 
I could see that, though. I could definitely see Bowling Green being dead last this year. Because of how good Ohio is this year. But to have us dead last, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I could see us being tied for fourth for the season. Having some good wins. And we've gone over the schedule on the previous ep- one of the previous episodes of All Andy Offered. And we'll go over it again when we do the college football preview show next week on All Andy Offered. But I was cruising around the internet late last night in research for the show. And I found this website. It's called athonsports.com. They made their projections for this season, for this college football season for the Mid-American Conference. They have Ohio winning the East, of course. They project the MAC record for them to be 6-2. 9-4 overall. Not that bad. Buffalo is in second. 5-3, and 6-6 six six overall. Not that bad either. Miami of Ohio, 4-4, four 5-7 four, overall. It's getting worse, folks. Kent State, 3-5, 4-8 overall. Akron, 2-6, 3-9 overall. Do you want to guess Bowling Green's record? 1-7. Two wins entirely for this season. Ten losses. That's that 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 no. I, I, I don't see it. I don't I don't see it. I really don't. I really don't. Um, especially out of what I'm seeing out of BG camp. These players are, are are better than they were week one. When they were out on the field on week one, they were tired. They were sluggish. They were absolutely horrible. Horrible. And they have done a total 180 on everything. And I give Leffler credit for it. Absolute credit for it. And I'm going to play for you the audio, courtesy of Bowling Green Athletics, that we've got from Media Day, from Mac Media, Football Media Day. You're going to hear Leffler talk. And then I'm also going to play for you the audio from the last practice that was meant for the media on the 3rd. And you're going to hear a total 180 on this whole team. An absolute 180. You don't take into consideration of David Koloski. You don't take into consideration of Andrew Clare being fully 100% healthy. He had a fan. 
fantastic game against Toledo last year. And then he got hurt. And then the team suffered. So I'm going to play for you the audio from Mac Media Day. And then you'll also hear the media, the audio from the practice, the last time the media got a chance to meet with Scott, which is on the 3rd, five days ago, about his team. So here it is. Here is courtesy of Falcon Athletics. And uh, you're going to hear... Uh, of course, uh, uh, Todd Walker give you the interview from from Scott Leffler from the 23rd, and then you'll hear the post-game media from the 3rd. So here it is. Here's from Mac Media Day first, and then you'll hear the, the audio from the practice the last time the media got a chance to talk with Scott Leffler. Media Day, Ford Field in Detroit. Head coach Scott Leffler is with us, uh, rested and relaxed off his summer vacation. Right, uh, first year coach, a lot of work to be done. Coach, up to this point, what, what do you feel best about in, in the work that you and your coach, the coaching staff and players have done? Well, I think uh, from the time that we walked in the door, I think 90 to 95% of our team are 100% bought in on the standards and expectations and the culture that we're trying to create at our program. The big thing is that we're trying to do is get that last 5% to jump on board. And once we can do that and uh, establish some leadership, you got a chance to really move the program. Let's talk about roster management. I know some of that's yet to be determined, but that's part of your challenge right now. If you could give an overview on, on where you are with uh, your numbers, uh, for instance, scholarship players, and to what you'd like to have, where are you right now? We're thin. Uh, we're not to, to the expectations that we want to be at. We will be here soon over the next couple of recruiting classes, but uh, the kids that we're bringing into our program right now, we really like. The 19 kids that have come in, we really feel strong about and then this 220 class that we're putting together we're number one in the MAC right now and we got to hold on to them we know that but uh, we're on the right path. Now soon fall camp is coming up as we call it even though it's the dog days of summer in August. Uh, My favorite time of the year. Yeah I bet. Uh, players love it too. What are some of the <laughs> sometimes <laughs> what's the number one thing or top couple of things you got to get done here in camp to, to build toward a successful start to your season? Well the thing that we talked about is you know, our first winter conditioning, we had a hard time just getting in a football position. And then we, take a, we took a huge jump in the winter conditioning program. And then again in the spring, and with all the rule changes uh, that occurred in college football, we were able to take a huge step this summer. And that's what we're trying to do in training camp. We need to go out and have a great training camp. We need to get rid of all the no talent issues, uh, the MAs, the missed assignments, um, having the ability to play hard on every single snap and understanding that Football games, when you're, whenever you're right, you normally come down to three to four plays. And understanding and, and getting our kids to buy in that you never want to know when those three to four plays are coming and teaching them how to practice 100% of the time full speed and practice making those plays when it, when it counts. You, were, you referred to the rules changes. Uh, basically, you, you were able to work with them a little more in the offseason here than you had been in the past, and that, that sure. helped you? Yeah, so you're able to do conditioning with them. So you're able to do skill-specific conditioning drills with them but without a ball and without bags. So there's some things that you can get done there. And then you have the ability to meet with them uh, during, the, during the week. So there's a couple hours a week that, uh, that we meet with them. And 
and uh, we were able to install the majority of the offensive and defensive package uh, this summer, which was great. Let's talk about the two guys you brought with you. Let's start on offense. Andrew Clare, outstanding running back, and I know you're going to really lean on him. You're thin in numbers there, so <laughs> that fall camp might be uh, not him toting the ball very much, just trying to keep him healthy. But uh, tell us about Drew Clare and what you like about him. 100% is bought into what we're all about. I love him. Uh, he's a fantastic player, but even a better person. He's really helped bring our team along. Uh, he's a leader in the on and off the field, and uh, there's going to be big things that are going to happen for him. We're going to rely on him heavily. We need to keep him healthy. We need to keep Denley healthy. And we brought in uh, Davon Jones to help uh, in that room. So we really think, as thin as we are at that position, if we can keep all three of them healthy, uh, that's going to be a real strength of our football team. David Konolowski is with you here today as well. A, a really unique situation. He didn't play at all last year with the Achilles. You know, very well could have said, you know, I'm done playing football, but he worked as hard as anybody to try and get healthy. And, and then there's a coaching change and this, that, and the other. And sometimes guys in that situation just don't come back. And he's been a leader all the way through. And now hopefully redemption here his senior year. Your thoughts on Kano? Same as very similar to Claire. Love him. Um, is 100% over the last eight months bought into every single thing our staff's about. He's a great leader on our team. He's going to do great things. Uh, God's going to repay him back for all the great sacrifice and all the things that he's done over these last eight months to get healthy and to buy into our culture and to help bring our team along. He's a leader. Uh, he's a tough guy. I wish that I had him longer than the next five months. Coach, great to see you here, here at Mac Media Day. Can't wait to get the season started. Appreciate it. Weekend, you guys starting to see a little spirit and a little fight out of your guys, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, today was uh, super, super competitive. Uh, we were competitive as coaches today. There was uh, uh, a lot of intensity, a lot of intensity with the players, and uh, that's the way we want it. And uh, every rep we're trying to, there's a winner and a loser. And uh, there's times that uh, the defense did a great job, and all 11 guys did their job, and they won. And there was times the offense did that. I think special teams took a step in the punt today. But uh, overall, I love the spirit. I love the competitiveness. And uh, we need to make sure uh, that that intensity and being super competitive that, uh, that we don't hurt one another. You know, uh, we gotta, we're thin. we got to keep everyone healthy. But uh, today was a spirited practice for, for sure. First day out here on the turf as well, the first three yeah. days around the grass. Philosophically, what do you, what's your game plan with that? It's Saturday. It's Saturday. Every Saturday we will be uh, in the stadium uh, during training camp, and uh, there will be some Thursdays that we're going to be in the stadium because uh, we play. We open up on a Thursday night. But uh, any time that we walk into this stadium, it needs to be different, and it was different today. Uh, those first three practices were good, but uh, we walked into uh, our stadium, and when you walk into our stadium, you better bring the juice and better be super intense. Everybody wants to know about quarterback play right now. What are you seeing out there and, and where are we headed? Well, really, you know, we always have done this traditionally. Those first four days, the two days in, uh, in uh, helmets, the two days in shoulder pads were basically a way of getting your timing back, throwing in your pads because they haven't thrown. Uh, Monday, the race begins. And uh, when we go into day five, uh, we're going we're gonna to be super competitive with all three guys and see where this whole thing pans out. Fantastic. Thank you, Coach. Awesome. Thank you. So you just heard Scott Leffler talk about uh, the two. You could hear his demeanor in the first interview with uh, Todd Walker, the play, head play-by-play guy for 
Bowling Green State University in, in Learfield Sports. You heard him talk about how thin they are. They only have 19 guys this upcoming season on scholarship. And when I heard that, I was absolutely floored. What is this team going to be consistent of? And then you heard the demeanor from this past week when he met for the first time and they were inside the Doit. And for me, it was a total 180 on this guy. He can talk really good when it comes to preseason. Now he's seeing what he has on the field and he knows he's got something good on the field. So to all the skeptics and to all the critics out there that think that they're only going to win one game out of the MAC, you're dead wrong. You are dead wrong. I can see them winning four games out of the MAC. The Kent State game, Miami of Ohio, Akron, Buffalo, eh. Toledo, yes. And here's why I say Toledo. Toledo lost their team core leader at the center at, at the offensive line position. And the guy that they're bringing in is a true freshman. This guy ain't going to be ready. And the defense is better in Bowling Green. Our defense is much, much, much better than it was last season and the season before. So to so all those that think that one win is only what Bowling Green's going to get. You're dead wrong. I still stick with my position. Five and seven is what I think this team can get. Overall, five and seven. Division-wise, it's a toss-up. But I definitely see us winning more than one football game in the Mid-American Conference. More than one. A five and seven record seems about a five and seven record seems about right. Not getting bowl eligible, that's fine. Gives us a year to get more recruiting and getting a chance. And Leffler's recruiting has paid off in dividends now. We are the second best recruiting class coming into next season. Second best. And this team is going to be good. It is going to be good. So, hold the phone. I know, I know. I know it's going to be long. But hold tight, Falcon Nation. But more than one win in the back is a definite happening. Than what the skeptics and the critics believe. As you're listening to All Andy Alfred today right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now. However you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in. Let's continue to hit the gridiron and let's talk a little bit about the NFL. So the interesting thing as well too, during what I'm hearing on the camp from Bowling Green as well. As we're listening to All Andy Alfred today before we get into the uh the rest of the into the NFL forgot to mention this uh 
Leffler is playing the University of Toledo fight song as a motivation to his guys to hate the University of Toledo. And that's building more and more the rivalry up. And I absolutely love it. They don't want to hear the fight song playing. So they're getting faster and faster and faster and faster and better and better. So so when they when UT comes a calling second Saturday of September, they don't want to hear the UT fight song at the Doit. So that'll be interesting to see how Scott's going to play this and how they're going to use this to to the minimum, to the maximum actually, actually use it to the maximum. But we'll see. Like I said, as you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And let's dive into the NFL for real. So the NFL is back, folks. Sort of. The exhibition season begins tonight. Uh, big games on the docket. There is 11 teams in action tonight. Excuse me. 10, 12 teams in action tonight. Six games on the docket tonight. It all starts off at 7 o'clock tonight as the New York football Giants take on the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. You also have Tennessee at 7.30 kicking off against the Philadelphia Eagles. Houston is in Lambeau to take on Green Bay. And the Chargers are in Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Tonight at 7.30 at Ford Field. The Detroit Lions will welcome in Tom Brady, the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, to Ford Field. 7.30 kickoff for that one at Ford Field. Tickets are still available by going to DetroitLions.com or at Ticketmaster.com as well. Uh, Brady expected to play in this game. He'll probably play the first quarter, and then they will start the second team. Stafford scheduled to play too as well. He will probably be playing the first quarter as well. Also, on the lake tonight at First Energy Stadium in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. The Cleveland Browns, the new Cleveland Browns, with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Welcome in the Washington Football Club at 7.30 tonight. It will be Dwayne Haskins' first return to Ohio since he's left Ohio State. 7.30 kickoff for that one. Looking forward to seeing how this new Browns team will look. Looking at the rest of the of the schedule for preseason in week one. You also have Atlanta taking on Miami. That's at 7.30 tonight, as well as Baltimore taking on Jacksonville in week one. <clears throat> you also have Denver in Seattle. Friday night, you'll see Tampa Bay in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Minnesota is in New Orleans. And then Saturday at 8, you have Kansas City hosting Cincinnati. The Rams are at Oakland to take on the Raiders. And Dallas is in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. So that's week one of preseason, of course. We'll have all the recaps from week one of preseason and the thoughts, of course, of yours truly of week one. What I've heard from camps from the Browns is that good things out of the camps. Odell and and Baker hooking it up big time. Uh, We did have a trade today for the Browns. The Browns traded uh, Johnson to the Texans for a for the twenty for a twenty twenty pick, it was, of course, running back for the Detroit, for the 
for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Of course, a big trade for today. Uh, it was Duke Johnson Jr. to the Houston Texans for a 2020 pick. The move comes after the Texans waved back Deontay Foreman earlier this week. Foreman was later claimed off of waivers by the Indianapolis Colts. He picks up, he gets picked up from the Browns. Also, some news and notes. Also, Joey Bosa looks like his injury in preseason in uh, in um, training camp is significant. He is expected to miss the preseason this upcoming this upcoming season. So, uh, a hurting Buckeye early on this year. So, looking forward to that. Also, got to make mention of this as well too. Like I said, the NFL preview show that we're gonna do it's going to be in two weeks. After the second preseason games are completed, we'll have everything all basically mapped out because the second game is basically almost the third game is usually the dress rehearsal. But we see two weeks of preseason football. We see the first teamers, and then we can make a judgment call on them. Um, I'll give you a preview of, of a couple of the of the predictions I have. Uh, we'll do the South right now. I'll give you a prediction right now. I think in the South it is the Indianapolis Colts to win the. Division, Houston to finish second, Tennessee to finish third, and Jacksonville to finish fourth. And then in the NFC, I have in the NFC West, I have the Rams finishing in first, Seattle second, San Francisco third, and Arizona fourth. To hear all the NFL predictions, stay tuned to All ADL for in two weeks for a special NFL preview edition of the program. We'll break down. The schedule for the Lions, the Browns, the Patriots, the Cowboys. We'll talk about those guys, those teams, as well as talk about who I think will be lifting Lince Lombardi's trophy come February in February this upcoming NFL season. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Pocket Cast. However, you're listening to us and wherever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in. Some brief NHL news to pass along to you today. Devin Shattenkirk signs with the Tampa Bay Lightning. A former Ranger goes to the Lightning. Who would have thought it? Tampa Bay loves collecting former, former Lightning play, former uh, Ranger players. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But the big news, of course. Uh, the NHL is that the preseason schedule came out, and it is now time for Andy Rants tonight. So it's time for Andy Rants, and getting into the NHL, what you just heard, um, the NHL announced their preseason schedule for the 2019-2020 season was announced this upcoming season, and to me, it was a shock of what I saw, of absolutely what I saw and what I have seen. And to say I am disappointed is one thing, but to to then be shocked not. Is, to be shocked is what I am is is, is just absolutely a, a blowing mind blowing. The NHL is going to be doing games it's going to be doing games that are 
interesting. They're going to be doing games on the road this year. And the fact that they're going to be doing two games in ECHL affiliations, ECHL stadiums is amazing. And I'll give you I'll give you why I say that here in a second. The preseason will start on the 16th of September as the Golden Knights will play against the Arizona Coyotes. And for me, the shock is this. There will be two preseason games happening in the ECH in ECHL affiliation. One will be in the new ECHL, uh, in the old, well, last season's new team, the Newfoundland Growlers. The Newfoundland Growlers will get an NHL game because their stadium is big enough. They will be playing, it will be the Ottawa Senators taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Leafs are the AA affiliate of the Newfoundland Growlers. So that's to be expected. But here's the one that gets me the most. Carolina is going to be playing the Florida Panthers in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I said that right. Tulsa, Oklahoma. You mean to tell me. You mean to tell me that two of the crappiest, and I said it, crappiest NHL affiliations, the ones that are a bunch of jerks and the ones that can't even fill a stadium are going to be playing in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a game. That is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And for me, that's a slap in every one of our walleye faces, folks. And I said it before and I say it again. That building deserves to have an NHL game being played in it. At least one game. An exhibition game. And I tell you, the two teams that can do it. The Columbus Blue Jackets. My team. And the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings are down. The Jackets are good right now. You want to promote the team that's good to come down to the arena. You want to promote the Red Wings. Sell more season tickets. Sell more season tickets for the Blue Jackets. Do it by doing an exhibition game at the Huntington Center. I would go to it. i definitely go to it in a heartbeat. A few years ago, the Walleye did an exhibition game with Kalamazoo. The night, that same night, the game before was the Grand Rapids Griffins taking on the Lake Erie Monsters. You had the AAA teams playing on AA ice, which is the same ice as an NHL rink. The Jackets and Red Wings preseason game has to happen at the Huntington Center. It has to. 
we saw, and I'll give you this stat for you. The year after that took place in Bowling Green, Ohio, BGSU Ice Arena hosted the 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 Lake Erie Monsters and the Grand Rapids Griffins again. This time, Lake Erie was the home team because they wanted to promote to the to the BGSU crowd to come see the Monsters play because they were marketing towards the Cleveland fan base. And season tickets went up by 15% because students, excuse me, single game tickets, not season tickets, single game tickets and student ID nights went up 15%. And most of them were BGSU students that went to, to see that. That were at the games because you could get in for $6. Not $20 that the walleye will be charging you this year. Yes, I said that right. It is going to now cost you $20 to get into a walleye game. Last year was $19. It is now $20. Get ready for it. If you have a, And then they are also going to be doing premium nights, folks. Yes, premium nights. I have the list right here. I have the list right here in my hand. A premium night right here. Okay, here it is. Premium night games for the walleye. Okay, here we go. June 24th against Atlanta. Okay, here's another one right here. February 15th and 16th against Idaho. March 14th against Wichita. You also have You also have the 29th of December against Cincinnati. These are premium games, which means ticket prices are going up. Ticket prices are going to be going up now. To $20 a piece. Be prepared, folks. If you're going to get... It's better to buy a season ticket package to get the money worth it. But again, I said it. The Red Wings and the Blue Jackets need to do a preseason game at the Huntington Center. If you could get Carolina and Florida to go from their buildings to give up either a home game on each side to go play in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that couldn't fill an arena for a trip for a double A ECHL playoff game, but yet you can fill our stadium four times. I mean, it's sold out every time for every playoff game this year. You can buy it. You can go to those games and sell them out. But you can't. You, you can't. It, 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 it's just It's just a shake, a shake. I shake my head. I'm like, why? 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 Why can't we have an ECHL and have an NHL game in the ECHL affiliation building? To promote buying season tickets because how bad the Red Wings are going to be the next two years and then you have the Jackets that are you know are thriving right now but they've lost Bobrovsky, Panarin and Duchesne and Dezingle get these guys some publicity and have them have the fans that are you know down in the Finley area down in the Lima area that come up to the walleye games see them play see how the Blue Jackets play it's like oh we can go down to Columbus it'd be an hour and a half drive or an hour drive that'd be fine do that. 
Get it done, Toledo Walleye staff. Let's get it done. Let's get it done, Huntington Center staff. SMG, get it done. If Tulsa, Oklahoma can get an ECA, get an NHL game in an ECHL building, why can't the Walleye? Why can't they? Answer me that question. I've asked Bellino this many a times on his on his show. I have asked many a people on the show. I've asked people in the Walleye staff why they can't do that. And they all like, well, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Why can't we? If we can get the Detroit Tigers to come and play an exhibition game a few years ago against the Mudheads, why can't we have the have the Red Wings come down to play the Blue Jackets? Have the Jackets come up and play the Red Wings in a preseason game? Really that, Batman. Really that. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water because I'm frustrated about this. Absolutely frustrated about this. I'm frustrated about two things. One, that. Number two, the fact that the pundits and the and the skeptics believe that Bowling Green could only win one football game this year. Two altogether. But I could see them winning five. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. But you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now. That was Andy Rance. And um, before I close the shop today, um, I do have a couple, actually, I do have some more NHL breaking news for you today. Uh, Marco Dano has signed a, the first former first-round Jack pick has signed a two-way deal with the Blue Jackets. It was announced today. And it also looks like Zach Wierenski is going to sign with the Jackets as well, too, according to Yarmo Kekalainen. So that's going to be some, that's going to be an interesting news story for that. Um, so stick to to all Andy Elford and, uh, and on our Twitter at all Andy Elford for more information on that. I'm ending tonight's podcast on a sad note. Um, uh, well, not sad. Well, it'll be a sad note right now. Um, a few weeks ago, um, uh, my family, our family, lost a dear, dear relative and um, a good person in, in, on this show. Uh, one of our listeners, my longtime, my longtime uncle, my Uncle Dave, uh, Dave Alford, passed away. And um, he was a good man, a very, very good man. Um, gave me my start in, in loving sports. It's a big Bruins fan. He was giving it to me all playoffs long against when the Blue, Blue Jackets were playing the Bruins. And for me, he was one of the one of my go-getters to go to Bowling Green. He always loved Bowling Green sports. We always would talk about BG sports. And um, he was a good person and uh, loved, this, loved the uh, Start Spartans. Even though he graduated from Scott, he all he grew up in the Star area, and loved the Spartans, and um, he was a good man. He was a good man, and um, he leaves a daughter, a beautiful wa- wife, and a beautiful grandson, and um, I, um, I, uh, 
I know I'm getting a little emotional here, but he is a good. He was a good. He was a good person to me. I, uh, he will be truly missed in um, our our thoughts and our prayers are with with Allison and Liz and and Colton and all those who were affected by this. Dave Alford. Rest in heaven, buddy. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Alford tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network. We'll be back on Tuesday for another edition of the program. Uh, We're going to be doing podcasts now every week. um, Every Tuesday and um, Friday now. Friday and Tuesday. Starting this upcoming week with the NFL schedule being back. Um... And we started this upcoming Tuesday. Get you set for recap week one of preseason football. Get you preview for week two on third on Friday, right here on all Andy Alford. So until next time, I am Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to my teams. Go Indians. Come on, Tigers. Don't give me 120 losses. Go Mud Hens. Go Falcons. And go Jackets. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week for another edition of All Andy Alfred. Love you. Talk to you guys then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred. And use the hashtag AAA Live. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor.